Yeah, we're good. Okay, Entrepreneur's Experience, episode five. 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 Jay Richard. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you, my friend. Um, You are the founder of Imagine Insights, which provides brutally honest insights from Gen Z. Um, My first question would be, when you embarked on your, I guess, business career or even working career, is this is this what you expected you'd be doing ten years down the line? Hell the fuck no. Um, what did I expect to be doing? So actually, I expected to be a. It's funny because conversation we had just before this. I expected to be a real estate agent, like managing some kind of estate. Well, that agent was the somewhere. first thing that hit. That you was before. my dream. That yeah. was like that was like my. That was like I was like oh, I'm going to be an estate agent and As in own, straight out of uni. Yeah, I was like I'm going to buy shits on houses and just work my way up the corporate ladder. Um, always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I always saw it as like a. I don't know, like a, maybe it's something you do when you get a little bit more cash. But yeah, um, okay. but yeah man, so it's, it wasn't exactly like a wasn't exactly like a massive dream. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to be like president or anything. I couldn't mm. have been. Okay, well, so, so you'd say in the initial stage at least, it was very much just focused on what money can I make and something that would For, fit around that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what what money can I make? How quickly can I make this money? Um, and I've always been good at sales. So for me, it was like, it's a no-brainer going to something where the barrier to entry is super low. It's the agency. Um, they let anybody sell houses, don't they? And, and then, sales, I assume now, even even that's something you focus on within your business, mate, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. That's all I do. That's my that's my day in and my day out, and that stuff. Even from, so I've been selling stuff since I was like fourteen or fifteen, maybe even younger. Um, so for me, it's kind of a, it's kind of just a natural progression. Do you know what I mean? So even when I went from sh- shot and stuff or whatever when I was in school to freaking working my first job straight out of uni to then being headhunted for whatever other roles. I did door-to-door selling alarm systems. Door-to-door business. Okay. Fucking That's quite horrendous. a classic um, historic sort of entrepreneur's yeah. story, isn't it? Oh, I went door-to-door, sold alarms. Did you sell many? Um, I, I was actually very good at my job. Like, um, I just enjoyed it because it was like, it was good banner because you walked in and they just didn't want to buy from you. They're did like, you do that in London, sorry? Um, Birmingham and London, yeah. So okay. I did, there's a there's a road in Birmingham called the, Stra- I think it's a Stratford, Stratford High Road, or Stratford Street or something like that. Walk up and down there all day, every day, trying to sell alarm systems, camera systems, anything they'd buy from me. Um, and then, yeah, start doing it in London. So I was selling alarm systems in Halsden. Yeah, it's not an easy place to Exactly, sell, yeah. yeah. So I'm on Church Road selling alarm systems. So nobody can question me about my sales game. But that's going to be great when people from like Turkey go, oh, where's Church Road? Um, tell us, so you mentioned Birmingham. That's where you went to uni, right? Yeah. Tell us, tell us a bit about that experience for uni in general, because obviously... I read that uh, you ended up buying a nightclub at one point, yeah, yeah, which is which is really interesting. So I guess tell us a bit about that. But before that, what was your general uni experience? I know some people do it for the sake of it, right? Some people yeah. just get get a degree or there's, there's nothing else they can do. Mm. Other people they re- they really enjoyed it. So I guess those that, those are the two tandem questions about uni. Yeah, I think um, so. My family, everybody goes to uni. It's not like a, like it's a thing. So only my eldest brother didn't go to uni. That's because he was a first. So it was kind of like my mom and dad isn't expected you go to uni. This is what you did. But I was like maybe what like couple of months before everyone's going to uni mm-hmm. and I'm, I hadn't applied for anything so I was like I don't, I don't want to go to uni I didn't really want to go to uni um all my mates were in was at college at the time and all my mates were like oh well, I've applied for this uni and I just felt the pressure I was like shit I need to apply to uni so I applied for six courses at the same university I just had no idea what I was doing just blagging it so applied for these courses got accepted on all six obviously because I like Who's a stroker? Um, <laughs> okay, w- fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went they just like you for your personality. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So went to university, um, and I was just that guy. So I'm very good at exams. Um, so I will just not do anything for the entire period I'm, I'm at uni, and then I would 
get all the net knowledge I needed the day before the exam and then brain dump when I went into the exam and pass it. Um, and then I was always the guy that would do no nothing in the group work, but I would do the presentation. So the pre my group was normally, I'd normally work with like the Chinese or the um, the, the, ch the Chinese students because they were just phenomenal. Their work ethic was next level. But they didn't. And they put together all the information. You yeah. Put it and they never yeah, wanted yeah. to do the presentation. Yeah. So I was like, all right, then you guys do all the legwork and I'll do the presenting. And they loved it because they were like, oh, perfect. Jay will do the talking. We'll leave them to it. So that was my uni experience. And then the nightclub thing actually came from, I was promoting for Sense Nightclub, which okay. is um, a horrendous nightclub, which was next door to Oceana. So you never, you're never going to win, are you? Everyone's going to like Vodball at Roshiana. I'm out here trying to flog my three pound tickets to Sense. Um, and then while I was doing that, the guy there had a really messy divorce with his wife and wanted to liquidate all his assets. So he had another nightclub called Chocolate. Obviously, it's great. great <laughs> so he had this other nightclub called Chocolate. And I was like, oh, um, when he was liquidating assets, my mate was like, oh, I'll buy his Range Rover. And I was like, oh, I'll buy your nightclub. Um, so I managed to scrape some money together for a few friends who were um, street pharmacists and then um, was able to buy the club. And, and yeah, sorry, so elaborate on how you actually get, got the money together. So um, <laughs> trying to think what I can say. So I've got a couple of, <laughs> I've got friends that had money sure. um, and I just approached them and I was like, yo, I want to buy this. It's uh -huh. an asset we could all eat from this and um, did that. Okay. Amazing. I ran that while I was at uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was when like Facebook was massive. So I used to just get there because in Birmingham, you've got Villa, you've got West Brom, you've got Birmingham City, and then a little bit further, you've got Walsall. So it's like four big clubs. I basically went to all the footballers that I knew in the clubs and I was like, lads, if you come to my nightclub, I will sort you out. You get all the balls you need. I said, all right, they come down. So once they started coming down, I went to all the pretty girls. I was like, look, all these footballers. I have my club and they were like, oh, perfect. It's a pretty girl. So I come in. And then it's all the ugly simple, lads. It's a simple formula. Exactly. It's all the ugly formula. lads that had nothing to do on a Friday, Saturday night would come down because see all these beautiful <laughs> women and Sunday. I was like, and my nightclub was next to Medusa's, which is a strip club. Okay. So it was perfect. So, so it worked. Yeah, all, the, all the lonely guys ended up going to the strip club. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it was good. I enjoyed um, it. Just. On, on your early career, just a little bit about that. I read that you went from thinking about, you know, you wanted to sell, sell, sell out at, say, 35, mm -hmm. um, to thinking, oh, now I want a brand that stays mm -hmm. when I die. I mm -hmm. found that really, really interesting. A couple of reasons why. I think what we're, we're, we're trying to do at Babylonia fits with that ideal. Yeah. The case of create something that's sort of, dare I say, it's sort of culturally important and something that can actually have an impact and maybe educate or wherever it may be. Um, and And... I'm not saying I would never sell it if I was lucky enough to get to a stage where I got offered something, but the concept of actually having having that impact yeah. really, really matters to, matters to me and and what we're trying to do. So it, I had real parallels there. But if do you see the parallels as well? Is that what you're aligned with? And was was there a bit more to it on top of that? Yeah, yeah, good question, man. And I, I love what you guys are building. I think it's the, the mission behind it is always keen for 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 what we're doing. So our entire mission is to help Gen Z to shape their future, and we know the best way for them to do is with brands because brands shape countries and culture like Donald Trump and he wishes he could. So <laughs> for us, really, it's it's just at the core of who we are. And that's why there's a big reason about when you're choosing a co-founder, you need to have somebody that has the same values as you. So my co-founder, Kat, she's a phenomenal human being. Uh, Portuguese descent, grew up in South London. Mm -hmm. um, 18 years in the, I won't tell you your age because she'll kill me, but 18 years in the in the marketing space. She's, she's just a genius. When I brought her on board, I had people from Downing Street, number 10, DMing me on LinkedIn, like, how the hell did you manage to hire a cat type thing? Like, she's, she's that level of, 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 of um, human being. And when you've both got this, almost like these core values that are kind of like, really, we want to build something that outlasts us. And even if that meant, because I think sometimes people think, okay, you have to exit the business and then um, kind of like the mission dies because the founder's kind of gone. 
And for me, the way I look at it is even if they will get to a point where I'm very good at starting things and those initial stages, first five, 10 years type thing. And I can foresee that when we're 10 years deep or eight years deep or whatever it may be, I will bring in somebody that could take it that that much further. Master the longevity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I think for me, that's the the way Kat and I look at it is, is it will outlast us. So whether that's in our lifespan or whether that's actually in our lifespan within the business, um, we just see it just just continues to go because the, the thing with Imagine is, is that it's adding so much value, not only to our consultants, so to the Gen Z that we work with, but also brands. Because we literally had a brand email me last night at 10 p.m. Um, an agency, sorry, email me at 10 p.m. Like, yo, I need this for 2 p.m. tomorrow, knowing that our community would deliver. And it's that kind of rapport that we've built in such a short period of time that you want to keep going for the next 10, 15, 20, 40 years, whatever it may be. On, on the company as a whole, could you just do a very quick rounded yeah. sort of uh, explanation of what the concept is and, and who you guys are? Because obviously we didn't really do that at the start, but I think just for the sake of it, we should... Lay yeah. that out there. Yeah, perfect, man. So um, as I said a second ago, our entire mission is to help Gen Z shape their future. Best way for them to do it is with brands. So what we do is we enable agencies to brand and brands to crowdsource feedback, ideas, or insights from our community of Gen Z. So basically, we have just under 2,000 Gen Z globally now. So we had a guy sign up in Barbados. So there's a super- Under cool. 2,000? Under 2,000 okay, globally. Yeah. Um, so basically, we're- we're a small agency that can swing real big because we have a massive community. Um, and basically the way it, is, it works is there's feedback and ideation. So feedback is a brand will come to us and say, we've got three marketing ideas we want to aim at Gen Z. We can take those ideas, send them to our community. And within 72 hours, the brand can get qualitative data from our community saying, this is the one idea we love. This is why we love it. And this is how you can improve it. So for that brand, they need have everything they need to make a make a next um, next step decision. And then the other side of things, that's feedback. And the other side of things is the ideation. So a brand comes and goes, we have no idea what we want to do. We can go to our community and say, if you were going to create an e-commerce platform for FIFA, what would it be? So they can come up with all that for, 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 for brands or for agencies or whatever. So it's really, we're a crowdsourced engine for everything Gen Z. And our community is just fucking phenomenal, if I'm being honest. And how did you even get to this idea in the first place? I mean, you're not Gen Z yourself. And not that much older, but he's not Gen Z yourself. But um, so how did how did you source that idea, and how do you get to it? Because obviously, like you said, you started off, you know, being an estate agent. So the, 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 I always find it interesting the progress of, and all the different jobs people do that lead up to to, to the source idea. But how, how did you get there? Yes, yeah, good question, bro. So um, I was working at a health insurance firm, and while I was there, I was one of the um, area consultants that looked after like um, a whole chunk of the country. And while I was doing that. Um, just meeting with clients, whatever, whatever. Um, I started a startup incubator. So basically just taking my own personal money, investing it in young people's businesses. Because basically it's what somebody did for me when I was in school. So I wanted to just do um, repay the favor. Is that the business uh, studies teacher? Yes. Yeah. We, we will yeah, touch yeah. on we'll that go, We'll go into touch that. On that. Um, okay, so someone did that for me when I was in school. So I was like, okay, let me do the same. So I just took 500 pound here, grand here, whatever. I was like, hey, love your business. Here's 500 pound. Like, go off, do your thing. If it blows, it blows, whatever. Just helping people get off the ground. Um, and off the back of that, as you can imagine, I amassed a massive network of secondary age and university age students that were kind of like, Jay's the guy, he's just sick, he doesn't really want anything from us. So they just trusted me. So I amassed this, this massive network. And then I was speaking at an event at um, Facebook and um, one, one of the folks in the audience was the head of retail at NFL. And she's like, hey, love what you guys are doing. Um, we're not really interested in the startup stuff, but is there any chance anybody in your community would be interested in helping us do a marketing campaign? Me being a salesman, that's all I needed to hear. I was like, 100%, sorted, done. That's what we do all the time, whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Went back to who was my, start, my team at the time, and I was like, we need to figure out how we're going to do this. 
And they were just like, what? Like, this has nothing to do with what we're building now. I was like, I do not care. If this is a problem for them, it's going to be a problem for other people. Um, delivered for the NFL. They loved it. Then got referrals from them. And then pivoted the entire business, changed the business name, found a co-founder. Just literally from that moment, just, that was April 2019, pivoted the entire business. And then by August, we were operating a completely different entity and everything was just completely changed. So that's how we got to that. Wow. I find it very interesting when people talk about how they start start their business, right? And essentially, you you got offered something not even knowing what to do, and you sort of went into it. I'm personally with what I'm doing. I've very much had a sort of an idea. I've had it in my head quite a long time, yeah. And I put pen to paper, and I really quite heavily prepped. And I don't. And I think either way kind of works. You know, sometimes just steam into it and get yeah, into yeah. it. Why, why do you think just steaming into it worked on on in in your situation, and or was it just a case of no choice and then and then go forward? I think you have to find a problem. I think 90% of people I meet that are starting businesses aren't solving a fucking problem. And I'm like, so who's solving a problem for? Well, it's just a good idea. I'm like, it's not, you can answer my question. Who's solving a problem for? And that's what it is. And I think for us, I probably, if I'm being completely transparent, what I was doing before would have probably have lasted another couple of years and I would have stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Because really, it wasn't, it was solving a problem for the young people, but they're not buying anything from me. So it wasn't really, it was a means to an end. I didn't realise it at the time, but it was a means to an end. Um, and I think with what we're doing now, it's solving such a huge problem for so many different people that it, it's just gold dust. And I think you have to, I think f- with what f- my personality type, if I, if I find a problem and I know it needs solving, I will drive that thing into the ground. So it's a prime example of this is when I was in primary school, um, I was year four or five. Basically, I just fucking hated my primary school. And so how old are you in, in primary school? Like four or four, year four? Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't, can't remember to be honest. I was maybe, t- I was maybe <laughs> 10 or 11, around yeah, that age, yeah, yeah. yeah, nine, 10, 11 years old. And I go to my parents, I'm like, I want to move primary school to this other primary school. So we lived up north at the time. So we lived in a place called Stoke-on-Trent, which is predominantly white people. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a primary school that's predominantly white people. And there was a, another primary school that was super mixed. And I was like, I want to go to that primary school. And parents are like, no, nah, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. I pleaded the school, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. So one day I just went to school and just, I just went home. My mom dropped me off from school and I went home. I said, until you take me to that new primary school, I'm not doing it. That's a problem I saw that needed solving. Yeah. And that was like 10, 11 years old. I didn't and even know about this why story. Why did you feel that? Feel that? Just like, I, mean, I mean, let's not go too heavy yeah, on yeah, the yeah. political yeah. side of whatever you want yeah, to do, but th- just the basic instinct, what was that about? I think for me, it was the frustration that there was, no, there was nobody, especially where I lived, and back then it was super racist. So it was always a snide comment. It was only me and my little sister in the school. So we were the only black kids in the entire school. So it was always these snide little comments growing up. And in my head, it was kind of like, this is a thing that pisses me off. I need to solve it. The only way I can solve this is by going there. Yeah. So for me, I just left the school and I did it repeatedly for a week until my mum then moved me into the other primary school. And then she then moved my little sister into the other primary school. Wow. And I think that for me, I tell the truth, I completely forgot about the story until my mom told me at Christmas. Yeah. She's like, do you not remember that? And I was like, I literally had no idea I did that. And she was like, it's hilarious because she's like, you've been like this from, from younger. So for me, it's always been a, if I see a problem and it pisses me off enough, I'm going to go solve it. Once a client came, once the NFL came with that problem and they were like, hey, we're struggling with this. I was like, hey, let's, let's make it work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get that. I am. Um so NFL was your first client mm. ever. Mm. What what are the other standout clients and and in this two year process? Also, just actually slightly divert on that. You know, 
when you started, you were on your own, mm-hmm. and then you and then Cat, your co uh, co founder, joined. It was a different co- company name, name at that point. Was that when you did the NFL project, or was it as as Cat came on? So, so the initial NFL project, the first one we ever did, was as Div Inc. I yeah. know it's a horrendous name. Sorry, I don't look very good at the branding. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I read it. I read it. It was fine. I like, um, imagine makes more sense. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I had a team of five or six. Five, I can't remember, but a team of five or six back then um, under Divink. So they were doing the incubator stuff with mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. helping get that into schools. And, and you, you did get offered the NFL contract while, at that point, while, while, while we were that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then as we began to pivot, NFL were kind of like, who's this new Imagine? Like, what are the, and I was kind of like, this is who we are now. So as we were in this process of doing that work with them, we then became became Imagine and they loved the new name anyway, which was cool. And, and tell me how, I know you touched on it before, but mm. how you came across Kat, your co founder. And it's a shame she she can't be here, but yeah. we'll, we'll definitely do another one hopefully. Um, how you came across it and why you, and why you know I always find the business partner dynamic so interesting because it's you know there's such a big element of trust and trusting the dynamic and so on and so forth. How did you come come across her and what's her real value to you personally? Um, LinkedIn, just mad. So literally, I was I wasn't even looking for a co-founder. I was looking for a head of operations. Um, so I was just put a put a job advertising on LinkedIn like yo, I was going to be want to be my head of ops. Um, met a lot of people from mainly women. Um, I just I I, I love having an all female team because shit just gets done. Um, so that's interesting. You actually think women are more efficient in in oh one hundred percent operational sense in particular. One hundred percent. Just like I was literally read a quote today. Um, I want to say it was on I can't remember the name of the, the, the thing, but it's basically a researcher, and she was saying that teams that have more women that actually end up doing better than teams with, with predominantly men. But anyway, it's a whole other discussion for another time. But um, so I put Ava on LinkedIn um, for head of ops. She um, she applied. Um, loads of other people applied. I interviewed them all. Um, and her and I went for walks around East London for hours. Like we just walked and walked and talked and for literally for hours, just talking to each other, just talking about what we're dreaming about, like just visions about where we could see the business going. And I just, I left every single time I met her, I just left inspired. So, so you just recognised that she was on the same level 100%, you as far 100%. as perception. And that yeah, sort of and I, I knew I couldn't. And the, my favourite thing was that she came in and said, if I'm coming in, I want to be a co-founder. And I just love the ballsiness of that. Yeah, Because yeah. there's, there's not a lot of women I know that would come into a new business. And just be like, fuck it, this is what I want. Yeah. And then even better than that, the equity stake she pitched me at, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I started. But she was like, nah, this is what I want. This and is I what respect my value it. is. And, yeah. and, and I respect it. I guess you that. respect that because you'd probably come in with the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was the it was the it was the it was the bravado being coming in, she'd be like, This is what I want, this is what I what I should get. Um and yeah, we just compliment each other. She hates she hates public speaking, she hates um sales, she hates all that kind of stuff. I hate ops. I cannot stand it. I do not want to be. Once we've, once I've won the client, I can't even. My yeah. brain can't even operate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not into the meticulous nature of no. operations. And yeah. she loves that. She yeah, yeah. absolutely loves it. She loves. She's spreadsheets. She's like we just we're putting. We always put together massive reports for clients, and she loves it. I come in, she's like, and I'm just like, I just look stressed even looking at the screen. I just want to go out and meet people. Do you know what I mean? I can't even freaking do that at the moment. But I just like the sales stuff. She loves that. So we just. We literally talk, we couldn't be any different, but we get on so, so those, well. So those polar opposites you feel in this particular one yeah. works works, works incredibly. 100%. And, and are you quite, I guess it's obvious for you, sometimes I ask people, you know, are you, when, when when someone comes in, are they quite strict with their roles and responsibilities and do you lay it out? But I guess it just naturally went that way anyway. You yeah. didn't have to overdo the, the rigidity of it at the start. Yeah, basically all I did was, when she first landed, I took her to a client meeting 
And I was like, all right, pitch. She fucking hated it. Okay. She was like, I never want to do this ever again in my entire life. And I was like, cool, I hate ops. I was like, I just need to see if you would like this. You don't, perfect, I'll stick to this. You stick to that and, and we're done. And what was her experience that, that, that even led you to feel she could, she could do it in the first place? Oh, uh, she's... Um, Every single acronym agency that exists, she's been at. XOMD, XStarcom, XBuzzFeed. Um, I, could, I could reel off her entire thing, but she's been in the game for about 18 years. Sure. And head of digital BuzzFeed, head of digital wherever, wherever. She's there and she, she was in agencies in Australia as well. She's just got a wealth of... Not, sometimes I just ask her stuff and I'm just like, I have no idea what this acronym is. I have no idea what this person yeah, is. Yeah, I'd probably be the same. Yeah, Literally. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm like, decode that for me, man. Say that in English. And she's just like, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Um, just sticking with the whole Imagine uh, Insights, uh, should we say, culture. Mm -hmm. How did you create create all these these people to to come to come and join you and be a part of it? And could you also elaborate a bit on the the incentive financially for yeah. for the younger generation? Yeah, perfect. So, firstly, how do we get them involved? Um, it's referrals. So, a large percentage of our business has been built around people doing client consultants doing work with us loving what they do and then going to their friends and family saying hey you need to sign up for this so it's just been amazing from that because the growth just from within the community has been amazing um one thing i love about community is super diverse so 65 percent of our community is female 35 mm percent -hmm. of black 25 percent asian 10 percent are from the lgbtq plus community mm -hmm. so it's, a, it's actually a genuinely diverse community um so then what happens is as people are referring their friends that diversity sticks yeah, yeah. so that's how really it's referral based we don't do much outreach we don't do much like hey come join our community people our community just grows organically which is cool um and then with regards to remuneration the way it works is um everybody is rewarded for every single insight they provide um to make sure that people don't try and game or um game the system the algorithm picks up if you if you record a video and there's nothing on it or if you um, enter a piece of like a PDF and there's only one page or whatever, whatever, the algorithm just picks up people like that and it'll flag it to us so that we can then be like, okay, they've done this three times, kick them off the platform. Um, but everybody is given almost like a coin for every insight. Um, if your insight is chosen by the client, so say for example, we get 600 insights for a client. If your insight is chosen by that client, you get paid cash, cold hard cash into your account. If that client then asks for you to come in-house, which some clients do, you then get paid a larger amount. So for a consultant, they're always getting rewarded for what they're providing. Um, the it's system it's is all semi sort of uh, freelance, I guess. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent, one hundred percent is. Um, and I think the the reason why it works for them because a lot of them are like, hey, I've got a full time job, or they're or, at uni or whatever. Yes, one hundred percent. So it's like um, the work we got last night. If I'd gone out to cons if I'd gone out to the normal consultant freelance world, it would have taken me a week to get that mm -hmm. to get what we needed for the client. But I got it with in under twenty four hours because our community is super um, and and you ha am i right in thinking you have an app that sort of people can yes yeah, yeah submit stuff quite quickly which obviously gives exactly. you that immediate exactly immediate right reaction. yeah yeah so push notification goes through to them they see it boom love it done straight back and and obviously just very keen because it, there's a, there's a, at least a, a, a not a huge financial incentive but something there for them to yeah, exactly especially yeah, yeah. the student market that must be great yeah 100 percent. they love it because it's like i'm rewarded every single time um i'm always getting paid um, and I can get the, I think the biggest one is, so we had a, one of our consultants, um, I won't mention the client cause it hasn't completely gone through yet, but she did some work with the client for us and the client hired her, hired her as a junior marketer the following week. Like you never get that. There is in our world, in our space, you never get somebody of that age getting to be in the room with a brand mm -hmm, mm -hmm. delivering pitching work. Like ever it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you yeah. normally need to wait five, 10 years to create, you need to be a senior, yeah, 100%. whatever, whatever. Um, 
these guys are in a room straight out of university. Sure. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and arguably clients. they offer a better insight as well. Yeah, 100. Oh, like vastly, because they haven't got the, they're not bogged down, which is probably why, for me, I've done quite well in space because I don't have that marketing background. So I've come in, I'm like, why the fuck do we do it like that? Well, I, I often think that the self-educated sort of person or the person that discovers the interest and the self-education aspect on their own mm-hmm. tends to have less, shall we say, variables that contribute to narrowing, narrowing their perspective. Exactly, exactly right. And that's, I found that really interesting with your thing. Um, just touching on that, you talked a lot, I've, when I was reading, you, you talked a lot about what you call underestimated communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested in that on, on one level because wh- what does that mean to you yeah. would be my question. Yeah, in the sense that I personally, I think there's a real array of people within that underestimated yeah, bracket. Yeah. yeah. But, w- but what what's what's your category there? Yeah, for me, it's it's um, women, um, people of color, um, those from the LGBTQ plus community and disabled people. That's normally what I'm grouping there. All yeah. those from a low um, low socioeconomic background. Yeah. Um, because normally, and the, the the thing is, I think. One thing that people hear when they hear something like underestimated or whatever, they're like, okay, you're saying because I'm middle class from this era, I've had mm-hmm. it easy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm I not- think, I, think, I think that's a, a good point. It's yeah, good I'm, point. I'm 100%. Yeah. And, and, and we're not taking away from that at all. I'm, I agree. Like, I don't, th- I don't think you've had it easy because I know, I know so many of my friends have had to graft their ass off. Uh, yeah, I totally and, agree. Do you know what I mean? Totally so it's not me saying it's never, it's almost like the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah. Saying Black Lives Matter does not mean that all lives don't matter. It's just saying that black people are getting shot in the streets, so it's a slightly different conversation. And that's all it is. It's just saying, we're not saying that so-and-so hasn't had to graft. We know you've had to graft. Mm -hmm. But what we're saying is, the graft is slightly different. Because if you and I walk into a room in a board meeting with AMV BBDO, they're going to talk different to you than they will to me. It just is what it is. And it's kind of, a lot of the time, and that you you literally could have could have had to fucking work your ass off like crazy to get to that position. But just based on however the world currently um, views people, that's just how that conversation will go. And I think it's sometimes, to understand because my dad is, my dad basically is a white guy. So, yeah, it's, it's tricky. You know it's mean? tricky. Sorry to interject that. No, 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 like, go, know, yeah. it's, it's funny. I was, when I was reading, I was, I was quite interested in this because for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will perceive me as a, as a middle-class privileged white guy. But the background as to how I got to being yeah. a middle-class privileged white guy, which I'm not even necessarily sure I am, yeah. I went to a good school, is based on my mother coming from a super working-class background yeah. Yeah. and but, but working her ass off so I can go to private yeah. school. Yeah, 100 so, which And, you know, I have no problem. I'll put that yeah. out there all day. Yeah. So it was, always, it was very interesting. And I'm kind of glad you, you expressed it the way you did because it's, it's, in, it's important to me, I think, not just because I'm a white guy or whatever, yeah. but it's important to me that I think we, we do try and consider, and this is something I also want to talk about more within Babylonia, that every individual, like you said, whether they're rich or not, they have yeah. their own variables that contribute to who they are. It's or, context. And, yeah, it's yeah. context, exactly. Yeah. It's context. Yeah. And let's understand the bigger picture, yeah. and it could be really useful. So it's, it's, yeah. great, it's great that you put it like that. Yeah. It's quite, and and so, so on that point, you're, you're, you're not necessarily edging out over race. You're saying that the race is a factor, but if there's socioeconomic issues within a within a white guy or whatever it may yeah, be that's also very 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 uh relevant and and, and the crazy thing is your mum coming from a working class background without you realizing would have affected your childhood without you even there you go. and i think a lot of the time so my 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 only my only thing that i'm always calling people to do is if you're in a room always make sure everyone's heard Agreed. that's all i give that's 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 my big thing that's all i bang yeah. the drum for I'm like, if I'm in a room and I notice that the, the woman in the room is not getting to talk much, I'd be like, yo, shut the fuck up, Nigel. Let's hear her talk. Mm-hmm. What does she have to say? Do you know what I mean? And I think it's that kind of, 
it's that if every if all of us Nigel's do that, a great great yeah, great no, name 100%. to fit with the with the middle class white guy. <laughs> Nigel, be quiet. I'm like, shut up, Nigel. <laughs> yeah. But and I think that's for me. If if all of us do that, if all of us walk into rooms and just go, hey, actually wait there. The, the 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 gay guy hasn't got to have to or the, the lesbian or these yeah, people yeah. haven't got to speak if we're constantly conscious of that yeah then but, it, but your, your your big emphasis is on everybody having the right to speak and and it's it's, it's an it's an all bracket thing yeah yeah, yeah. I've got to say I think that's amazing I, I really do agree with you on that and I I see so many parallels in in what we're trying to do in the sense of uh, with your company as a whole but in the sense of expose different subjects yeah ra- raise the point on a bigger issue not trying to over over you know, let's not put an agenda on the idea. Yeah. Let's just yeah. put it out and convert and let people discover the yeah, re- relatable aspect, which is, yeah, I've got to tell you, I do, I do think that's fantastic and I really commend you for it. Uh, so we're back. Now I've remembered my question and we changed the angles of the chair because it just looks better. <laughs> um, first thing I was going to say is, on one, I've noticed that you have a column in digital, what is it? Oh, there's loads. Um, oh, we've got loads, new, okay. New Digi right. Day. Nah, as in, like, as in like people ask you to write stuff. But you um, have a one that you do weekly or monthly and it's digital something. Sorry, I can't remember the website. I think it's New Digi Day. I want to say, Day. yeah, I and do. you said in that, that you think arguably Gen Z are the hardest working generation. Yeah. Could you, I mean, my initial, so you have your initial, you have your initial thought there and then you have thinking about it more. Yeah. Um, and also us, us being millennials, I think there's quite a few parallels. I think we have a slightly different experience, but there are parallels there, mm-hmm. especially on the, the stuff that, again, you mentioned in that particular article about how hard it is to get on the property, property mm-hmm. ladder and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But but why why do you feel that, or at least it's an, it's an arguable point? Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question. Probably the first time I've been asked that. Um, I think... I think some of that actually probably comes from the world they've grown up in because they're the, they're digital natives. So the first ones we didn't really grow up in that. Do you know what I mean? I remember. Yeah, I always say we we're lucky. We we still were allowed to roll around in grass. Exactly. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. I remember climbing trees and stuff. Like these are don't climb trees. Um, which is concerning, by the way. Yeah, yeah, mate, super. But we won't figure it out for another fifty years. And they will yeah. be like, oh, by the way, climbing trees was a great idea. Yeah. Let's get everybody outside. <laughs> um, Norwegians still do it, apparently, which is probably why their schooling system's amazing. But anyway, um, sidetracked. Um. I think I think they are the hardest working generation simply for the fact that they have to they have to overcome so much more at such a young much younger age than we did. In what sense? In the sense of social media. So for me, when you're looking at the way, um, have you watched Social Dilemma yet on Netflix? Funny enough, someone literally told me about that yesterday. Yeah, watch that. They said I should watch it for the sake of what I'm doing. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Watch um, watch that because it's phenomenal. But one one of the things that I find interesting is that um, suicide rates in in teenage girls have gone up. Um, Self-harm rates in teenage girls have gone up. And I'm not talking like 10, 15%. Over the last 10 years, they've gone up like 130% or something, madness like that. Like it's just like exploded. And that's, you see where social media started and then you see the charge. Yeah, explode. and then you have that massive increase with men as well, which is yes. scary that is that's cr- so unexpected. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think they're having to mentally, because we know it's, we know it's like to be mentally going through all this stuff, but you're mentally going through it um, in a whole new way now. And something that's basically untested because realistically, social media is fully untested. There was no like, the FDA weren't like, oh, hey, let's- Yeah, there's no regulation. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's wild. It's like a free for all. So you've got that. Then you've also got the fact that you've got the recession that's happening right now. Then you've also got the fact that you've got the pandemic that's going on right now. All these different factors are all happening at the exact same point in time. Plus the fact that- Generations slightly older than us have, have absolutely fucked up the planet. Mm-hmm. So they're having to deal with all of that. So they're constantly having to deal with all of this scu- stuff coming in while also still trying to achieve the things that 
were the quote unquote norm, not probably for us, but for our parents. Do you think the dif- difference is is the psychological aspect and the impact that has? Yes. On social media. Yes. Do you think that's the real differentiating factor? Yeah, because for them, for us, we didn't have that growth. We technically still had a childhood. Yeah. I speak to thirteen year olds, and they're just like. Full, all they care about is social media. I mean, mate, I, I see it creeping into myself now. The, yeah. more, the more, it's funny. Like I always think, when I was twenty-one, I didn't really give a shit about nah. so, certain elements of social media, or like may, maybe let it affect me personally yeah. because whatever. I, mean, I was yeah. younger and yeah, it wasn't yeah, quite as real. prominent. Whereas now, it's so in your face, no matter what. I can't imagine if I was like thirteen, how how it's detrimental mad. that would be. We're grown men, bro. I'm yeah, thirty. Yeah. I had to come off WhatsApp. I had to come off Instagram. I had to come off Twitter because, like, as in, like, it's still there, but I don't have the apps on my phone, and like. Like I have to every time I want to WhatsApp somebody, I re-download the app to WhatsApp somebody. That's how intense it is. Because okay. I know if I don't create that barrier to entry, I will just constantly be on the phone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I looked. I used to look at my screen time. I'm like, who the fuck was that guy? I, I don't like doing that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's true. It's true. Especially now when we're doing this. Like I want to use the internet for the right reasons. Yes. And want people yeah. to yeah. understand that when we're talking that. Yeah. Use the internet. You listen to this conversation. Yeah. Go, God, fuck me. That was amazing. That was so yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. But now use that. Put your head up and talk into the outside. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's so important. And it's mad. Like, I always challenge people because I do it sometimes. I go to, the, I like to go to the park and just sit down. So I normally ride my motorbike into the middle of nowhere, sit down in the park, like in some random part of Essex or something, and just watch people. Mm-hmm. I love people watching. Yeah. And you the might have couples you see on their phones together. The amount of people you just see and they're just, just walking. And I'm thinking, it's actually mad. Obviously, they could be doing anything, whatever. They could be changing the world on their phones, which are probably a lot of them are. But the way you just see the world now, and we're all walking with our heads down, and it's it's, it's not like it's not the end of the world, but to me, it's you kind say of. That, but I wonder sometimes. I honestly bro. do. It's 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 so, uh, it's so addictive, and like you said, you you have to actually because you're you've got the presence of mind to to do it. You you actually delete the app and so on yeah. and so forth. Like I know, my um, family member is talking to me about this because he's in the academic world, and they've done all these studies in South America, uh, South America, sorry, South Korea, about how people now go on social media detoxes where they get all the stuff taken away from them and they literally it's almost like a mental asylum and some of these kids are going nuts like yeah. they can't handle it yeah and i yeah it's very on point what you say that that definitely is the the differentiating factor it's a whole nother world bro and it's it the thing that scares me is that we're not doing enough research into it and we're kind of the, the folks like Facebook and stuff, and I don't want to talk too much because potentially I wanted to be a client, but <laughs> the, the, you talk about the folks like Facebook. Hey, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, for real, like, hey, hey. <laughs> no, jokes. Um, but you look at what they're doing and it's kind of, they're beefing the government. Yeah, I mean, there's, they're just there's like, more accountability coming though, isn't there? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rig your presidential election mm. and there's probably not so much you can do about it. Well, yeah, it's 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 you need power, to watch power, yeah, I will. I mean, I mean, a good friend of mine who we actually the episode before you, uh, we 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 spoke to him. He did his his phrase. He he uses is he says the internet is the windows of the world, which I think is such a good way to yeah, put it. Real. And it really is. It's the insight to everyone. So if we start to understand that, and going back to what we've talked about before about let's get this in front of as much people as mm-hmm. we can and it's quite clear there's no agenda here mm-hmm. we're just talking we mm-hmm. want to paint a picture mm-hmm. we want to we want to do something right and let people take take from it what they want and you know I, I think I mentioned this to you when we first talked before we, we ever recorded but if people can educate themselves and listen for a conversation like this this is what will be the right side of the internet yeah yeah 100% and I think the for me when I was speaking to my therapist a few months back and I was like the moment I deleted Instagram and Twitter off my phone 
I, I, it's almost like I could physically feel the weight lift off my shoulders. I was like, because I literally, because now, and I've I've blocked, I've got, you know, you've got the, the screen time thing. Mm-hmm. So I have to actually go to a family member to get them to put the screen time thing. So then I can actually go on and have the re-download the app store back on my phone so then I can re-download. There's so many steps to go onto Instagram and Twitter for me now that I just don't care anymore. And it's amazing what that does for, but, your, for your mental but health. But you still see the use in, in, in the right capacity. Yeah. Lim- limited, obviously, hence the regulation aspect. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's the, if I need, if I really need to go on there and do something, I'll go on there. But for me, it's the place I, a lot of my business has done is LinkedIn. I don't right. really, get, I don't think we've ever landed a client from Instagram or Twitter. But, but LinkedIn, I don't but, but on the On the Gen Z point, Surely access to them helps on the Instagram for, thing, for or me, not really? For me, not personally. For my community lead, and um, maybe for my for my um, for my co-founder, they're more engaged with that. For the community, if I want to say something, I'll just record a video, which I do on a regular basis. I send a video out to them, and they, a lot of them have got my mobile number, so they'll just text me and be like, "Yo, blah 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 blah." So I'm like, if you want me, call me. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, let's have a, my da- dare thing. I say it? Let's have a real conversation. Let's meet up in real life. What's um? I mean. Really interesting what you're saying there. And I think maybe let's touch on that more. Do you, would you have any personal advice on, on managing that that side with regards to how it affects you and and how would you how you regulate it to yourself? That means it's it's man, it's manageable and essentially doing what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, I think every everything's. I'm always careful about giving like a blanket advice. Yeah, because I think what works for me wouldn't work for you, and vice versa. And I think it's. Um, I think everybody has to know what works best for them, and I think. For me, um, Instagram and Twitter are a great way to see all the things you don't have and to stress you out. If we're being honest, that's what it boils down to. I mean, yeah. Do you know what I mean? For me, Twitter, I, I think should almost be banned. I think yeah. it, I think it's a cesspool of nastiness. There's not enough, it, it, you know, tra- uh, Instagram. You could argue there's enough inspirational stuff there that yeah. you could say it does it does help a fair yeah. amount of people. But Twitter, uh, Twitter, the trade off is not worth it. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I think for me, if I'm going on Instagram, I want to see motorbikes. I want to see people kicking each other. I want to see like, do you know what I mean? That's that's that. I want to go on and see people. Just, just to be clear, it's not because he's into violence. It's because he he, he likes jujitsu and Muay Thai. I don't think that's, you don't just like seeing people get kicked. Yeah. I let, so I go on there to watch mixed martial arts stuff. Apologies. Yeah, I probably should have got there. That no, was good. It was great. It was great. Anyway, go on, carry Thanks on. Thanks for doing that for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so if I'm going on there, I'm going there for that specific reason. Yeah. And I think everybody should do that. You know, Focus, you, focus it on your interests. What am I going on there for? Yeah, yeah. Because, and the, the good thing is, is, the good thing about Instagram and Twitter, I suppose, is that it follows you around. So it knows what you want. So when you come back on it, it'll have all of the things you want to look at. And I think if you go on there and go, okay, I've got what I wanted. So for me, it sounds terrible. There's a, there's an Instagram called Kids Getting Hurt, which is hilarious. So it's basically- Just to be clear again, <laughs> that is not because he likes seeing kids get hurt. <laughs> I love a, children. They're great. They're amazing. But, <laughs> I'm into Gen Z. Yeah, for real. But it's like, it's like, like, like toddlers and just like running into doors and like getting knocked over by, like it's hilarious. So I just- I, So you're just being honest. You're saying if you want a bit of light relief- Yeah, I'll go get, on that. I'll do that and then yeah. I'll get off. But I think the thing is, I, I used to, I can't comment for anybody else, but I know I used to go on there and I'd sit for hours and look at my boy that's just sold his business or I look at my mate that's got a beautiful missus and I look at and I'm sat there the whole time stressed like what's going on in my life Why Why <laughs> this is the thing it's, the, iso- it's the, the isolation that you then feel off the back of that yeah, yeah. which so, is which is fucking scary at times 100% and I think it's when I spoke to my therapist about it she was just like yo if, it, if it's doing that to you just remove it yeah and it was at first it was like I was like what do you mean remove it <laughs> is that a thing and she was like yeah just get rid of it and it was instantly just felt felt, a and that, that simplicity just 
Mate, I, when it. I go on my phone, I literally, honestly, I got to go on the phone to, to text people and to call people. Yeah. And then to, and to and obviously check my Slack and whatever for the for team stuff. Mm-hmm. But I literally, I pick up my phone to do things on now. I don't just pick it on to disappear into the hole. Which, and I'm not saying it's not for everybody because I don't want people to feel like, oh, I feel bad now for using social media. Because if if that's what that's what you want to do, then do that. But I'm saying for me personally, from a mental health perspective, I couldn't do it anymore. But I think either way, you're right in the sense... It has to be limited regardless. You can't yeah, spend yeah. hours doing that because it's just it's going to affect your psyche at the back, back of your mind. Um, just to sort of stick with, I guess, the younger generation aspect, mm-hmm. when you cre- uh, curated these communities that you have, I read that you, you went into schools a lot. Yeah. Could, could you tell me how, how the, even you went about that? Because it, it, no, it really fascinates me. And, like, and it sounds to me like on top of that, you actually had talks with younger generations which you know, commend you for that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think um, I just started off local. So I just went to like local schools and I just bop up and be like, yo, I currently work doing this, but I would love to to, to give you young people money. And obviously at first people are like, eh, what? Yeah, how, like, how sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, for real. And I'm yeah. like, I've set up this business and see I can invest into young people, yada, 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 and would you be keen? And the good thing is schools are parts of trust. So if you speak at one school, they're kind of like, oh yeah, cool, we'll introduce you to this school and so on and so on. So it was very easy to then get into the school network. Um. So really, it was it was like almost like door to door sales, just going in and saying to people, "Hey, like I just want, I just basically I just want to tell them my journey. I was a little 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 wanker when I was younger. I've sorted it out a little bit now. I'm less of a wanker now. Do you know what I mean? Just a little bit, yeah, just, just, a little a little, bit. just a little bit less, not too much less. Um, but just giving them that journey. I think a lot of the time, especially when I was in school, they bring people in, and I'd, all you'd hear is, "I was here, now I'm here." Yeah, and I wasn't really that middle ground. Yeah, and I also think I love about your podcast is, and by the way, I love that you know all these questions off by heart. I would have been baffled, mate. I would have just been like... Well, we took a break halfway through and I read, I read my notes. But yeah, <laughs> in general, good. in it's general. But I, I think because you have to just... You know, naturally, if the conversation is more natural, like when we were talking, when we weren't recording about stuff like Rogue and what's interesting, or, you know, podcasts in general, is mm. that if it flows and it's natural and it's a natural conversation, mm. it leads back to the relatable aspect and it re- leads back to, like, what you're saying now yeah, yeah, yeah. with regards to kids. Yeah. It's that you're, you're now talking from... Or expanding from whatever twelve, thirteen through to thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the 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 thing for me is is that good ideas can come from anywhere. And when I was speaking in those schools, I was just speaking to young people. I'm like, shit, that's a good idea. Mm. Like one of the young people that I, I put some money into, their business was um, they're in Elephant and Castle. They go to a school in Elephant and Castle. If you get a puncture on your bicycle while you're out and about in Elephant and Castle, they will cycle out to you, fix your puncture, and head off. That's genius. Like. How frustrating is it when you're? I don't really cycle bikes because I got a motorbike. But when when you're out and about, and you're like, you did did a pang, punch has yeah, yeah. gone. You're just like, I haven't got my kit on me. This 15 year old will just cycle up, got the kit in the back, da-da-da-da. and reasonably cheap, by the way. Yeah, it was like it was literally like like 10 pounds or 15 pounds to like repair. And when you're out there, you'd be like, mate, I'll pay you freaking like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they were like Monzo it to us, which was genius. That mm. was the killer for me. Mm. I was like, no one carries cash in these days. Like, oh no, we got Monzo. And I was like, all right, mate buy all the kits you want. <laughs> I was like, off the ground. I don't know if they're still doing that. I haven't spoken to them in a while, but it's stuff like that. When you, you hear these ideas and I'm thinking an adult wouldn't come up with that because it's not, a, it's not a thing that they would think about. It's not, it's not big enough margins or that kind of stuff. But yeah, so for me, it was going into school speaking that then connected you to other schools, but really it just started, I didn't start off with any kind of, I just wanted to invest money into them. That's all I cared about. And then because of that, you bought that goodwill. Yeah. So then people, believed in you and they realised you weren't that much of a wanker I think what what's great about what you're doing in that aspect which again it's, it's really it's amazing how many parallels there are or at least potential parallels but I, I and I'd love to know more about your experience with this and how and if you've seen this when you go to schools but 
I found, even though, like we said before, I went to quite a good school. I didn't. I wouldn't say I left with a huge amount of, should we say, curiosity inside mm-hmm. of me or particular mm-hmm. in- intellectual interests. I, I, I left left with great friends and had an awesome time, mm-hmm. but I didn't really leave with a particular amount of personal interest, which is again why why we're doing this because we're trying to create re- relatable stuff that people yeah, can right. listen to. Yeah. Did you have that experience? And also, do you see that still? within the educational system or at least when you go to schools you see kids well that you know the fundamentals of physics or whatever it is yeah. or classic subjects just aren't really resonating resonating and then they do have this boredom and then you come in and it's a whole different spark of interest right yeah yeah i feel school's designed for people like my little sister so my little sister's like a's a stars every teacher loved her she was just like just nailed it everybody knew she was going to go to university everybody knew she was going to pop a doctor or whatever um me didn't have a Scooby-Doo. Just, I was good at business. I was good at football. Um, and I could sing. That was about it. That's all I had at school. So my teachers were just like, oh, you need to do all these all these other activities. And I was like, mate, can I not just sing, do business and play football? Mm-hmm. Just let me do that. And I think for people that are wired like my sister, the education system is perfect. People that are wired like me, it's horrendous. Because you spend the entire time thinking you're stupid. So I spent the entire um, entirety of my... Um, school education thinking oh i'm stupid because i don't know about this math whatever whatever but if you ask me to do maths in a profit and loss account man i'm all over it ask me to do english in a business um business plan i can do it all day and i think it's the the school system is designed for a specific specific subset of people and those that aren't like that then just fall to the wayside and they may leave being uninspired being whatever whatever and i think for me when i left school thankfully because of my business studies and because of people that take, made an effort with me I realised I'm not good at this shit so I'm not even going to bother Pe- when people say to me oh like, try and strengthen your weaknesses I'm like fuck that screw my weaknesses you see, you see no use in that at all for me I, d- I don't know if it works for other people yeah. for me personally no yeah. I'm good at public speaking I'm good at sales I'm good this is what I'm going to stick to and I'm just going to double down on that and perfect my craft that's it so when I left school it was I knew in my mind I'm going to do these few things and I'm just going to do them well and that's, that, that was that for me. But then with my sister, she left and was kind of like, loved the education system, was super excited to get to uni and, and study biomed and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, there are different, and even between my sister and I, there'll still be different sets of different types of people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't leave going, da 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 love school. Yeah, you know so, I mean? so inspired. This is what yeah. I'm going to do the rest of my life. 100, I was just kind of just like, I know what I'm kind of good at. So I'm probably going to spend the next 10, 15 years just perfecting that. And which is pretty much what I'm doing. Wow, I left school for <laughs> um, it's, so it's pretty much what I've been doing for, for, for that time just out of interest when you go to schools do you see that more in young men because the consensus let's say from what you can see and what you observe and what's, what's been talked about that set, tends to be the case because it aligns with lack of interest and then uh, guys feeling like that they've got no real use and then it, yeah. and then there's that, there's that sort of lineage of thought that leads to worse than mental health and feeling useless therefore potentially committing yeah. suicide or having suicidal tendencies that's it's, a good question um th- to be transparent i've never really noticed it i've never really looked out for it i think the thing i see in school is and it happens to me it happens to a lot of my friends the bad kids the rebellious ones are normally the ones that go out and do the wildest most amazing shit mm-hmm. 
Because the ones that like to toe the line normally just do the normal shit. They go off and be accountants. They go and we need them. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that's not that's yeah. not not yeah, that the same. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like yeah, yeah. it's needed because like if I didn't have my accountant, I'd be fucked. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like literally, I have no idea what to send to HMRC. I'm like, they're asking me for all these forms. <laughs> what is tax? Yeah, for real. I'm like, I have to pay that VAT. Why do I need to? Do you yeah. know what I mean? All these different little bits and pieces. So all of that stuff is needed. So a lot of my Jewish friends, accountants, and I'm like, mate, you're a mm-hmm. legend. I mm-hmm. love you. Um, but I think it's. It's one of those things where where you have to, I feel like you really have to allow people just to come to a place where they know what works for them. And I feel like the school system isn't that great at that. Do you know what I mean? So when I meet a lot of these young young men and women um, and um, and everybody in between and I, and I meet them, a lot of them, there is this pressure at school. There's like, have it all figured out by the time you leave school. And so many of them I meet and they're kind of I like- I think everybody thinks yeah. that. Yeah, and they're like, I don't. Like I literally don't know what I should do. Or, or, or they get fixated on an idea quite quickly. Yeah. And and then they stick to it for a while, yeah. and then unfortunately, for seven eight years down the line, they're like, oh mm. shit, this is not really what I enjoy. Or your parents. So this is where parents come into. This is an interesting one. It'd be probably a question back to you. So I know a lot of friends that their parents were, they were so they these guys were first generations like Brits. Mm-hmm. So their parents were here like you're gonna become a doctor, lawyer, teacher. Outside of that, I don't give a fuck what you guys say. Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, my mom work in the creative industry. The creative what? Yeah. The great who? Great, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> yeah. We're a doctor or a teacher. Okay. You know I, mean? yeah, I yeah. need something I can brag to, to your aunties and uncles about. And I think there's that there's that pressure. Even now, I thought it would be different. But I go to schools and I used to, well, I don't so much anymore. But when I used to talk to young people, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, my mom says I'm going to be a doctor or a teacher. There's no choice. Yeah. So imagine your entire schooling education, all you're thinking is, I, I literally, I was in a house party the other day for my boy's birthday. He's studying his fifth year medic, um, medicine. So he's he's going to be a doctor or whatever. It was all. Um, medicine, medicine students, and I'm like, why do you do what you do? Oh, my mum and dad got me into. It. Yeah, you're in your like late twenties, bro. Like you're doing something that your parents. Do you know what I mean? And I think well, that's I, I the- think people are coming, and I had it myself. And again, I hate to sort of bang bang the drum over and over again about why we're doing this, but this is part of the reason. Is that is that anything that interests me came through podcasts mm-hmm. and and interviews mm-hmm. and documentaries and that sort of thing. And I did. I wouldn't say I was forced into any particular um, career. But much like yourself, I was much more like, I'll do something super conventional. Not, I'm not a knocking estate agency because I respect it. Like, mm. it is it is what it is. But just I was much more obsessed with, okay, well, this is the way I can make money the quickest. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the purpose aspect didn't really interest me, um, which is why, again, why I found it so fascinating when you said, this, this is something that I want to be there when I die. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, for me, it was, it, it was, it was that, that case of, around 25 is when you have that existential sort of moment and go, oh shit, this is, yeah. this is it. And it's all a bit of a waste of time and if I wasted, but arguably at the same time, all those things contribute to, to your decision and, and sourcing that idea. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, um, I just think this, the, the, I, we are all told a lie that there's almost like this one dream thing you're going to do. And in your mind, because if you think in a one track, because I, I know I could do this for a period of time and this whole thing could plummet and explode, but that's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? There's other things I can do. But if I'm constantly told all the time is this or you can do and there's nothing really outside of that, mm-hmm. you then can't, when that doesn't work out, you just have a nervous breakdown. Do you know what I mean? And yep. I think it's, I think, and with my children, I will just encourage them like, yo, you can do anything. Like literally, and if something fails, it fails. Fuck and you it. can explore and you can 100%. fail. I've, I've, I've fucked up so many businesses as a joke. Just before they started the jewelry business, and it was horrendous. <laughs> I thought it was genius. Do, do, you, do you think on that point, fa- failure is, is the key to success? Mate, gold, gold. Oh my God, there's so much shit. 
being in meetings with clients and I've said something and I'm looking at their eyes and I'm like, I fucked it. Mm. And then afterwards, I know not to do that again. Do you know what I mean? Like even now, the, my entire process when I meet a client is built off the, f- off the, apologies, don't kill me. It's built <laughs> off the fact, I knocked the microphone and I think he's going to kill me. Um, it's built off the fact. It's of, a le- learning curve. Of shit I yeah, did yeah. wrong in meetings. Mm. I used to have the maddest agenda when I go into meetings. I had like nine points. I look at the client, I'm like, here are the nine things. Now I've got three. What are you excited about? What challenges are you facing? And how can I help? That's it. And and just on that point, what do you think before you were obsessed with almost being a bit of bit of a perfectionist about it? Whereas now you understand, keep it simple, keep yeah. it keep it a, a, vi- a viable proposition. Yeah. Bar ninety percent of any conversation with a client should be them talking. I shouldn't not realistically I shouldn't be saying anything. You don't over pitch. Nah. Mate, a matter of times when I was first started selling. I would spend the first 40 minutes talking about how amazing our product and service was. When I was selling alarm systems, I'm like, mate, this will do everything. You'd like <laughs> I didn't even ask, I didn't we'll, even ask what we'll we wanted. Figure out who's, uh, who's, 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 who's stealing your stuff before they enter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, mate, I didn't need alarm systems. I needed cameras. You've been spending the last hour telling me, selling me alarms. I actually need cameras. So you went, you went straight with the pitch super quickly yeah. before, you, before the client even had a chance to talk and say, this is what I'm after. Exactly. So when I walk in now, I'm like, well, what are you excited about? Get them talking. Get them super excited about life. This one, I'm excited. Da, da, da. All right. So, getting to that—that's what you're excited. That's what you want to get to. What are the challenges with that? Da, 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 da. Okay, cool. How can I help? So be, oh, you're, t- you're saying be be reactive. Yeah. In general. Just and then how can I help? And they go actually tell me a little bit more what you do. By this point, they barely even know. They don't. They maybe know a little bit about us. Mm-hmm. And then I start telling them. They go, oh, actually, this can help. Da, 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 da. And then I'm able to loop back what we do to their challenges. But I, w- I wouldn't do that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it was just. Do you, do you think that nature of what you do, and that's obviously very, very natural for you, but breaking down, the, should we say, the the business face, the business visage that people start with, starts with, do you think that's that's been key to your sort of trajectory forward in, in a business sense and, and just really engaging people quickly as opposed to, you know, hello, this is what we're going to do and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I think... Um Rapport is everything. And I think for me, at first, I just love making, making people laugh. So if I walk into the room, I'm going to make you laugh in the first couple of minutes. Just because I like to see people smile. If you smile, you're comfortable. You relax a little bit more and we, we get on better. Um, so for me, I know it's, I know it's, I have, I have my structure in my mind. So I know when I get in, if I do these three things. At one point. At, not in a nah. rigid order, but yeah, at one yeah, point. At one point, if I do these three things, we're going to be kosher. And they may not sign now because the world I work in, the sales cycle so long. It could be, I could be working with a client for two years before they start bringing in business. Why, why is that? Just, that um, just because, especially with agencies, they never have, the stuff is always happening. And mm-hmm. with the big agencies, there's so many different things happening at once that you meet with the chief of strategy, but then a lower level junior strategy person gives you a shout that you've never met before. So it's very much like, it's the, these brands, especially and in the house of brands, it's such a mess a lot of the time. They have so many people doing the same jobs. And all that. It's very hard to to find the real decision makers. Um, but once you do, then it's the it's, you get that continual continual business from, and then you get retainers and all that kind of stuff. Sticking with your business, mm-hmm. what's what for you? If you don't mind telling us, like what's what's the bigger proposition in the next say two to five years? So what's the vision for it? Yeah, the, I guess the vision, the mission, and and, and how where are you now now in 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 the vision i guess yeah great so the north the north stars which we call it internally is uh, 10,000 consultants in the community and 200 clients helped mm-hmm. so that word helped is like key 
So it's not like 200 clients won, or two, it's 200 clients helped. We've helped 200 clients. Um, that's where we want to be by 2024. Um, on where are we in that journey? Nowhere near it. Um, <laughs> so we're on the way. But um, but you def- you're definitely, at, you, you, I, I get the impression you're definitely at the stage where you feel like you've platformed and, and, yeah. and you've got the platform ready to push. Yeah. Forward. The good thing is I don't have to worry about bills for the next 13, 14 months. Sure. We're nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, we've, yeah. We've, we've, we're we're making you, enough money. That gives you that freedom to accept. Yes. Just to, and especially as a salesperson, it gives you the, the, the opportunity just to relax and be good at what you're what, what you do and then for my team to do the same and not have to worry like oh my god next month we need to bring on a client or we don't exist type thing so that's nice um so we're 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 doing way better than i expected us to do um i've set targets and we're we're overachieving those with, with like without a doubt so i'm super happy with that um but i'm a founder so i'm never completely happy mm. i will like work us to the do you know what I mean but I, but with all that being said our um Work-life balance is, is is great. Like we start at ten, finish at four, and you feel you have a good good sort of uh, business culture in general. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think for me, if I burn out my team, they leave. They say that Jay's a wanker, and then <laughs> I can't hire anybody else. Well, and on top of that, I guess if if they're happy, then they'll contribute best and be, yeah. be best yeah. with it. Um, just slightly sort of uh, veering off to a different topic. You, I, I I noticed in some of my research that you're one of six kids. Yeah, bro. Um. Which is, is is obviously amazing to hear about. How how much? I guess what I would say is, would you mind elaborating on that experience and how much that that's contributed to what what is clear that you're. Sometimes it's funny because maybe you don't want to talk about your own skills, but how much that's contributed to your your I guess your personality, your abil- ability to meet people so naturally. Like you know, this is the first time we've met today. Yeah, um, I love that, bro. That's I love that. That's that's like full on research, bro. Not nobody really asked you. Nobody really asked me stuff like that. Um. It taught me how to eat quickly. That's what <laughs> one of five, one of six kids taught me. Because um, in my house, if if there's food left on your plate, they're like, they're like you eating that? I'm like, ah, bro, I'm still like, do you know what I mean? So like, anytime I'm going out anywhere, people are like, why do you eat so quick? I'm like, bro, because someone's going to take it from me. So that's one thing it taught me. But I think, um, so I'm actually come from a family of introverts. Um, bar my, so the thing is, we're introverts, not we, I'm definitely not, but my, my brothers and sisters are introverts unless we're together. Sure. And then suddenly the noise goes through the roof. Okay. And like, it's just mad shouting. So in my house, you had to be very good at saying what you want super quick and louder than everyone else. So you just built that ability to from, be super, super assertive very quick. Yeah. Well, like, like, mom, I need this really quick. And like, just being <laughs> like, before my sister can walk in, before my brother, especially yeah. being the, the second to last. No, no chance to think twice, basically. Nah, trust yeah. me. And then in the, the, thankfully, I'm, I'm super thankful for this is that I'm almost like the connection between all my brothers and sisters. Some of my brothers and sisters don't really talk that much, um, but everybody will come to me to find out how everyone else is doing. And I'm thankful for that because it means I've actually built relationships with my brothers and sisters and so on and so on. Kind of families are hard. You know what I mean? It is what it is. But um, I think, yeah, so I think it really taught me just to be assertive about what I want. Go get it. And I, so my my mum landed in the country. Um, she just landed from Jamaica, um, came here, was basically in a terrible relationship with my nan and it, just, it was just a horrible experience for her. So, so your, your mum's Jamaican background Jamaican. And, and your father? And my dad is Australian and German. Okay. So I'm super confused. But <laughs> so she landed in the country and just grafted her ass off, got herself two degrees, like literally had no educational background, got herself two degrees, worked her ass off, in a, a, worked her ass off into the, a high level in the companies, then went out and started her own business, did all these things like while managing six children. Yeah. So I come from a family of like, 
just make shit happen. Like, we don't want to hear your stories. We don't want to hear, like, we don't give a shit that you're on a podcast. We don't care about Forbes. What we care about is that you're doing shit. Do you know what I mean? And I think because I come from that kind of family, it's kind of, there's Hopefully no- they'll care about this podcast. <laughs> yeah, they'll love this one. <laughs> anyway, this is the main this is one. The best one Subscribe. Ever. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, Carol. Um, Thank you for that. That was a good, good advertisement. <laughs> um, you could put that on Instagram, just crop that out. Yeah, um, we'll just literally do a clip. That. <laughs> Jay Richards says, Subscri- subscribe and like. <laughs> um, so because I come from that, comes because I come from that kind of background, it's kind of, it just flows into everything you do, which is good. But I think, yeah, being being number five out of six, just, it's it made me the extrovert that I am. And yeah, I love it. I, I literally love coming from a big family. Yeah, um, it, must, it must be great. I mean, I'm not going to go on about it too much, but I come from a, I'm, a, I'm an only child and it was oh, it was quite, I, I wouldn't complain about it at all. Yeah. In many ways it was great, but yeah. it is a very, when, when I went to other families and saw yeah. it, it was such a different, yeah. it, was, it was surprising. The energy within the household was was just really interesting with see. that do you want to have a big family i know yeah, i'm switching it. yeah yeah okay how many would you ideally in your mind uh that's a good question when you look you're like okay there's... uh fuck well to whoever whoever my future wife is at least <laughs> two. um but, but remember that yeah remember that whoever you are i know you're watching um <laughs> imagine if she was there she, she is she is <laughs> anyway um let's just a couple few final questions i guess and then yeah. how are we doing on time 120 Love nice, this, bro. Nice, this is nice. good, man. I'm enjoying it. Um, first question I would ask you is, anyone aspiring to be an entrepreneur? Oh, God. And I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it, maybe it's a bit cliche, but I, I suspect you'll give quite a good answer. Um, what are the fundamentals you think are important? Not in the sense of what have you got to be good at, but what, yeah. what, do, you think, what do you think you've got to discover that, that helps you decide what you want to do within a business? And, and I mean on a personal level and what your interests are. It's a good question. I think um, I think every entrepreneur is different. You'll be wildly different from me. I'll be wildly different from you. And I don't think, I think, um, I think the, the first and foremost thing I mentioned earlier is finding a problem that needs solving. Um, as an entrepreneur, you will, you will always love your own idea. And every idea, I remember, I remember um, I was maybe 20 or 21. And I, I wanted to start my own estate agency. So I, I somehow convinced some like 65 year old guy to give me his house. I was like, I'm gonna advertise your house for you. And when I sell it, I'm gonna sell it for 10 grand more than you want for it. And then I'm gonna keep that 10 grand. Such a dumb idea. Like <laughs> who's gonna pay 10 grand over the actual price of houses in the area? Well, you were thinking, well, I can sell anything, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it didn't work, like it flopped. And I was like out of my, um, my partner at the time were like out, like, door knocking in Birmingham, like trying to sell, flog this house. Like who's this idiot kid in this like cheap charity suit trying to sell, do you know what I mean? And I think um, it wasn't a problem that needed solving. And I thought it was. And I think there's a reason why estate agents are still estate agents. And I think anybody that's trying to trying to start a business, you need to really find a problem that pisses people off enough that they're willing to pay for it. And that may be a small problem, like um, Calendly, have you ever used it before? The calendar. So if I want to create, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that started by um, by a guy called Tope. He's from um, from. I've the... used it. I haven't used it. I've just okay. seen it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he was he was solving a problem. It was a very small problem, but he was solving a problem. And yeah. He's now like a sixty million dollar business, mm-hmm. and I think it's if you can find an actual problem that people have and you're not making it up in your head, then you've got a business. And then off the back of that, you then need to figure out the best way of utilizing your skills and then moving out of the way for things that you're not good at. 
So it's almost like, so, so, so made that kind of complicated. But, I don't know. I think that's very well put. And I think it's, thank you very much. Um, I think if it was, it's like me trying to do operational stuff, it wouldn't make any sense and the business wouldn't go anywhere. Sure. So I step out of the way of that and bring someone in that's really good at that. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's find the problem, then either build the team around it. And obviously I know it's, there's such a wanky thing to say because kind of like, I don't have money, so I'm going to hire a team. But find people around you that are passionate enough to also solve it. Well, well that's by the way, sorry to interject. Yeah, no, go there, But that is the bit, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry about the mic there. <laughs> that is the bit where I think maybe in the early stage you do have to unfortunately learn, learn yes. stuff that you yeah, don't, yeah. That you don't yeah. want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you do need to be a, um, a jack or a jill of all trades at the start. But... Um, but the moment you can, even if you bring people on as interns, we were laughing about interns earlier. Mm -hmm. Even if you can bring the one right here, <laughs> she just cut him the maddest eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. I'm, we're actually lucky. Mike's no not dead right now. I'm not doing very good with my intern right now. Um, I think it's um, that should be in the edit out clips. I love that. Um, it will be. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's. I lost my train of thought. You think that? Uh, well, that's that's why I shouldn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes, we'll, we'll put that on the edit as well. Um, you were saying that I, I was. You were making the point about how you've got to utilize your skills, take yes, a step, yeah. take a step back, and then you were also saying, and I sort of said I agree, agree, but to some extent, I think in the early stages, yes, jack of all trades, jack of jill of all trades, yeah, jack of jill of all trades. Um, I think, yeah, start, but the, the moment you can bring on anybody in any way, shape, or form, even if it's one hundred fifty pound a month, just pay somebody something so they can take stuff off your plate so you can focus on the things you're good at. Um. But really, it all boils down to the problem. If you find a problem that's worth solving, you could probably build, and this is what I always say to people, people say, I want to build an app. I want to build an app. I want to build, I'm like, shut up, man. Just go to a load of spreadsheets, do it the most manual way humanly possible, and do that for a while. And once you've got a few clients, then go and build your app. And I think a lot of folks, they want to start a business, and then it's, I'm going to build this, and I'm going to build that, I'm going to build this, instead of, you know, I'm just going to find the most manual, ugly way to solve this, mm -hmm. and then build from there. Do you... Do you I'm I'm sort of eighty percent with you on that. Mm. The only thing I do think I do think there is room for better versions of what's already there. Do, do, you, okay. do, do, yeah, you, do you see that as an element of still problem solving, or, or would you agree with that, or do you think it that yeah. you need the tandem effect? I guess well, it's still a problem that needs solving because because it's, it's, it's so you see it as well. If it's got to be better, then yeah. it's, then it's a problem. Without Yahoo, we wouldn't have Google. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yahoo was a shit version of Google. Mm -hmm. Most young people I speak to, they're like, "What the hell is a Yahoo?" Do you know what I mean? They never used it in their life. Mm. But without it, like... Actually, Gen Z. Exactly. Yeah. But, but without it, we wouldn't have Google. And Google's phenomenal. Do you know what I mean? It has all our data, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. And I think it's... Even stuff like MSN, MSN Messenger, taught me to touch type. If it wasn't for an MSN Messenger, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to touch yeah, type. Do you know what I mean? True, I'm like getting over like, what are you up to? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> BRB. G2G. BRB, I haven't used that in ages. Yeah, yeah. G2G, I'm going to start sending that to everybody. G2G. Um, but I think it's... Stuff, hashtag that. Yeah, <laughs> but stuff like that that's like super ugly and super buggy but somebody then iterated on it and developed whatever's next. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's, yeah, that's a problem that needs solving. The Yahoo, um, Yahoo was a problem that needs solving, so they created Google. Or at least it, it, it demanded an evolution of what was already there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any business idols or brands that you really admire? Yes, so um, brands that I admire, um, I'd probably start off with Gymshark, actually. Um, super random, not in our space in any way, shape or form. Um, I speak to them, they're really, really cool people um, internally. But the reason why I love them is just they're just the, the graft is just a whole other level of graft, and they really latched onto the influence of things super early and just like yeah, he was definitely leading. In that yeah, field. yeah, he made he he made it really, really work. Um, then people that inspire me, um, firstly my mum, like super cheesy, but um, 
I've never seen anybody graph like she graphs. And um, we were like broke, broke when we were younger. And I remember just putting in the work. She just put in the work day in, day out and raised all six of us and we're all still alive. So um, I've always been super impressed by my mum. But outside of family members, um, Elon Musk, um, obviously he comes from a massive amount of privilege, but... Um, a lot of people say him. Yeah, say yeah. Him. Not that I'm saying you're... I mean, just why in particular? Yeah, I think... So I read his... Is it autobiography or biography? I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it's biography. I'd love to tell you I know, but I don't know. <laughs> but I read it um, maybe a couple of years ago and I just love his um, his dogged tenacity. He's just like, yo, this is, we need to live on Mars. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make us live on Mars. And I think that's, for me, it's less of the, obviously he's achieved mad things, but it's the fact that he is like, I want us to live on Mars. I guess it's the, the audacity that you respect. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I love the audaciousness. Obviously you heard what I said when I did what I did when I was in primary school. So that, I can imagine he's that type of like character where he's just like, obviously he's like me on steroids. So I'm, I'm not trying to compare myself to Elon Musk. That's not even a comparison. But he... Obviously, he's trying to escape our planet because it's absolutely fucked. So he's trying to get to Mars before the, end of the rest of us does. But I really appreciate that, and I love the graft. Um, I, th- I think he's, I think he's a phenomenal human being. And um, there's a few other people within within the space that like within the um, that like their startup owners. There's a guy I know called William Adawasi, and he's just a grafter. Runs a watch company. Okay. Um, super impressed by him. And um, one, but, one particular. Sorry to cut you off there. Um, Again, he's a grafter, it's, it's, and these these are like it's the, you really respect that dogged dogged it's determination. It's a tenacity. It's a yeah. tenacity. It's like when he's calling me, he's like, "Yo, I only did this amount of sales this month. It's a hard month." And then he rings me next time, and he's like, "Yo, I've done um like a quarter of a million in the last couple of weeks." Do you know what I mean? It's stuff like that. Yeah, that yeah. Like you just you see the journey close up, which is really really cool. Um, but outside of those, I don't really have anybody that I'm like, "Oh, you're my go-to person, and you're the person inspired by." Actually, Jay Z. Okay. I don't know why I fucking didn't start with that. Well, who am I? Am I a caveman? <laughs> um, Jay-Z, yeah, 100%. Because that is somebody... So when he... I don't know if you know Jay-Z's story. I'm going to nerd out right now. So when he first started out and he was recording, labels were just like, you're shit. You're trash. Your voice sounds trash. Everything about you is trash. So he just backed himself, started his own label. And this is before everybody... Because now... I was going to say people do that all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's, it's like a normal rare, thing. Very, very um, yeah. But a lot of people now, what they do is they piggyback off a bigger label. So I've started my own label, but technically I'm still connected to a big label. He didn't do that. He was like, yo, we're going to do our own thing. Um, and then every time he's done a deal, obviously he's done some fucked up deals, but most times when he does, when he does deals, he's so nice. Mm-hmm. Like Dame Dash took his equity out of the company that him and um, Jay had and then like a year later Jay sold it for like 200 and something million and then like pocketed a mad amount and if Dame Dash had stayed in he would have made like an extra 30 million on what he took out or whatever there's all these things where he's just super shrewd and the guy's a billionaire bro do you know what I mean like it's like and from what he's come from, it's just crazy. It's it? mad. Like, yeah. if you, if I don't know if you've ever been to Marcy Projects in New York, I've yeah. been to Marcy Projects. It is not a very nice area. Um, <laughs> even it, now. Yeah, but it, that's the thing. It is a lot more gentrified now than it was, I can imagine, back in the day. But even walking around now, I was still like, this is the hood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I could still die. Um, but it's cool to know that he came from there, built what he was building, and then just backed himself. And I think that's a, it's something that I have to have the utmost respect for. And even now that he's he's Rock Nation and sort of become a, a big big guy himself and always taken over other brands, you still you still think he's doing it the right way? Yeah, because I think like even the stuff he did with the NFL, because obviously they're a client of ours, so I was like almost in the room and stuff like when they were like, oh, we're doing this with Jay Z or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, he just he just does things, he just does things right. Like he's like, okay, I'm going to do this for the like a lot of the things he does for the community, especially the black community. He doesn't really shout about. 
he just does it on a, on a quiet. And that's why I love him. Because Kanye is amazing, but Kanye shouts about everything he does. Hove is just like, I love calling him Hove, like he's my boy. But Hove is just one like- day, One day. Yeah, we'll one friends. day. We'll Mate, we'll, all my, so I'm in a WhatsApp group with like 150 black entrepreneurs. We call it the Black Illuminati. Um, Great name. Yeah, sick. So a lot of like folks have raised like a whole shit ton of cash and whatever. So it's a really decent group of entrepreneurs. Um, and anytime someone's bantering, they're like, yo, I'm waiting for that dinner with Jay-Z. Like every, <laughs> like every other week, it'll come up in the convo. But the funniest thing is, so mad sidetrack. So one of my friends, she wrote a song that's on Beyonce's latest album. Okay. And um, her and another friend of mine went to dinner with Beyonce and Jay-Z. So it's... Wild, yeah. So it's it's Wild. close. It's close. Another it's, one. Yeah, it's, 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 it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. But yeah, so I'm, I'm basically I'm saying I'm one person. Yeah, I'm yeah, one person. Two or three degrees from it. <laughs> yeah, for real. But yeah. Um, Sorry. You, no, no, not at all. That's quite interesting, actually. But um, <laughs> you mentioned Elon, you read Elon Musk's book. So let's talk about books quickly. Any particular books that really resonated with you? That in in whether it was a story within a fictional book that really resonated that so I don't know sparked an idea or maybe particular self. Self-help, or I don't really like the word self-help, but yeah. informative books that, that helps you with, with your with your business sort of grounding. Yeah, good question. I think um, one I'm reading at the moment is called Influence. Really good book, um, especially for sales, if you're trying to do sales stuff. Do you remember the author? Um, some white guy. I, have no <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Just Google yeah. Influence by some white by, guy. By some white guy, yeah. Um, nah, so literally I have no idea. It's a good, but I don't know why I can never remember authors' names. Um, Steve Jobs, his biography autobiography um that was phenomenal read that's like so so good just hearing like what they had to do and he was adopted i didn't even realize he was adopting all these different things that happened um that's really really cool um what other books have i liked recently um that's cool if that's if that's what yeah, you want I'm trying to think cool. this, I, I read books all i churn books out like i don't know i, I didn't use like reading books when i was a kid but for some reason now I just yeah me too I, i've become more obsessed with it just because i think it's it's essential you know, oh, you, you, so it keeps your brain alive. Yeah. So even like when I'm doing this with you now, not necessarily, obviously you've got to research the guests, but mm. just reading in general means you've got a lot more there. You've got a lot more vocabulary and yeah. things like that. I think that's very important. Yeah. So listen, just a final question is, I know I, I, I know from a bit of what I've checked, you're, you're quite an exercise guy. Mm. Do you have a particular sort of perfect morning routine that really, especially Monday to Friday, is, yeah. is essential? And, and, and what is it? Yeah, bro, I'm a nerd for this stuff, man. So I'm in bed by nine. Um, I'm asleep by 10. I'm up at 6, 6.30, straight into the gym. Um, at my desk normally, take 30. And then in the evenings, I do more time jujitsu most evenings. Um, so I just, I like, I'm a, I love routine. I don't like, that's why people, let's go out and get pissed. I'm like, bro, but it's going to fuck up my routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and if I stay up beyond like 10, I'm, I'm done. Forget alcohol. I don't need anything. I'm smashed. Um, so yeah, so it's just morning and evening exercise, just, Nice. I like to burn like that thousand calories a day just exercise. Do you do you feel that is essential to your efficiency in in your day to day life? One hundred percent. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing that keeps me on point like exercising. And also that it's it's a personal factor on, yeah. on your health yeah, perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. You like to you like to look good naked, but it's like yeah, um, well said, I don't know yeah. if that's if that's what you meant, but <laughs> it's, it's, true, it's true. That's totally what I meant. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's yeah. I think f from a mental health perspective, from a physical health perspective. Because um, I was I, I never telling anybody this, but I, I've actually got no cartilage in my left knee. So my bones are just constantly rubbing together. So I'm basically constantly in pain. That's just how it works. And I was I was meant to be in a wheelchair by now, by, my, by, by the time I'm 30. So for me, it's like I'm constantly fighting time. 
So I'm constantly trying to do as much exercise as humanly possible before technically they have to do a knee replacement because once they do that, I'm fucked. I won't be able to do the, the, the would, method. Would you be willing to elaborate on that, how, how that happens? Um, football. So I was um, I used to play for Russian and Diamonds when they were a club mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Um, I was I was pro. I was doing my thing. And then they used to tell you I was, I was a typical wanker, as I said. So they told me, don't play football at school. And I was like, yeah, cool. Played football at school. Put my boot in the ground. My foot was facing that way. I turned around and went back that way. And my foot was still facing that way, so I just blew my whole knee out. But back then, they didn't trim cartilages. They just removed it. That was just a practice. Mm-hmm. So they just removed the cartilages. So my bones just been... So when they... I sh- they showed me an x-ray, and the gap between my knees, like between the joints, is just like... It's just so big, it's hilarious. But um, I was but, like, oh, look at this. It's like a whole city. But you, but what you, you feel just in general, the exercise, and I guess what you maybe do a bit of physio for it, keep keeps it alive yeah. so you don't, so keeps, you keeps don't have the muscles strong doing the, doing the surgery. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it keeps the muscles strong. I'm still in agony most of Like, I'm in pain right now, but it's... Fuck. It's, yeah, that's what my mum always laughs because she's just like, your painter shop's mad. But um, I mean, that's amazing, man. Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's nuts. Respect for that. Like, it's the human body, man. Yeah, like, 100%. Yeah, you, get, you get so adapted to yeah, it. Yeah, like, you just, you're getting used to the... That's what earlier when I was saying about getting kicked in the ribs, I don't, like, you You just kind of just push through it because yeah, you're yeah, used yeah. to just pain. But anyway, yeah, it's all another story. Um, okay, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, firstly, amazing, like, pretty intense and fascinating. Really, really good to hear from you. And just thank you for doing it. I really appreciate you taking the time and hopefully we'll do, do one again soon, hopefully with Kat. Yeah, well remembered. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, brother. Well, thank, thank you, brother. Thanks, Sam. Take care. Bravo, man. That was amazing. Thank you, bro. It was good fun, man. Very interesting.